0: To the Agent Survival Guide podcast. Happy Friday to you and happy almost AEP to you. We are back with another Friday 5 episode. It is our weekly list of five things you should know about. And I'm your host, Sarah Rupel. First and foremost, coming in at number one this week, we are just one day away from the beginning of AEP 2023 and all of the busyness that that time of year brings. You've put in all of the preparation, and now it's go time. I want to wish you all a great AEP and remind you that we are always here to help when you need us. We are just a phone call away at 1-800-769-1847. And if you've got a question that you would like us to answer here on the podcast, you can call and leave a voicemail at 1-717-562-7211. Maybe you've got a question about Call Vault, our new tool to compliantly record Medicare client calls. We would love to help answer those questions and get you in touch with the people that can get you started with those tools or in the case of a specific product line, the people who can help get you contracted. If you're looking to brush up on sales strategies or keeping client retention top of mind this time of year, there are a handful of episodes in the notes to listen to that are great listens during AEP. So again, we wish you great success this year, and if you have any questions, please reach out to our team. Number two, this next one we've been waiting to hear about for quite some time, especially with all of the talk surrounding inflation this year. Yesterday, the Social Security Administration announced the official COLA for 2023. The cost of living adjustment came in at an increase of 8.7%, making it the largest increase since 1982, which saw a 7.4% increase. Historically, it's the fourth largest increase on record, behind a 9.9% increase in 1979, an 11.2% increase in 1981, and a staggering 14.3% increase in 1980. And, of course, those years in the early 80s are well documented with high inflation, recession, and a lot of other issues that the Fed and others are trying to avoid this time around. Now, what does this mean for the 65 million Americans receiving Social Security benefits each month? Let's get into some of those numbers. For the 7 million Americans receiving Social Security and Supplemental Security Income, or SSI for short, they will see the increase beginning with their check on December 30th of this year. And then for the other 58 million Americans receiving Social Security benefits, they will get their increase beginning in January 2023. The COLA will add about $146 per month to the average retirement benefit, raising the current amount for all retired workers from $1,681 per month to $1,827 per month. Now, as I mentioned, those are the average benefit numbers for all retired workers, But I do want to point out that not everyone falls under that category. There are additional benefits groups who will receive different payment amounts. For example, retired couples who are both receiving benefits, widows, widowers, and disabled workers. We will have a link to the official press release and a few other articles in our notes. Interestingly enough, when we reported on last year's COLA increase, we had to add the caveat of potential increases in Medicare premiums and deductibles. But we already have those numbers this year. Love having these numbers before the start of AEP. That will help with even more accurate projections for client coverage costs in the coming year. Definitely recommend sharing this news on social media and in your client newsletters. Number three, on Tuesday this week, President Biden announced a fix for the ACA family glitch. If you remember, when we last left the glitch, experts weren't sure that the Biden administration's proposal was legal. Their argument was that the IRS didn't have the ability to change the wording of the regulation and that the stringency of the affordability test was designed to keep subsidy enrollment low. Essentially, the affordability test was designed to be an exception for a very small amount of people. However, in the final rule released this week, a fix for the ACA family glitch was indeed announced. And according to the Treasury Department and the Biden administration, the fix is very much in line with the spirit of the Affordable Care Act. So currently, individuals qualify for a subsidy if their employer coverage cost goes above a certain threshold of their total household income. That percentage is 9.6% for 2022, and is projected currently at 9.12% for 2023. The same litmus test is used to check if family members should also receive a subsidy. So what ends up happening is that, yes, the threshold of cost is exceeded for cost of family coverage, but the subsidy only goes to the individual, even though the cost of family coverage is not affordable. Beginning with coverage year 2023, there will be a separate threshold amount for family coverage to determine whether the entire family should be eligible for ACA subsidies. And with those different affordability thresholds, that does mean that an employee's individual coverage can be considered affordable, while the cost to cover the family is not. In that case, the employee would get their coverage through their employer, while their family members would be eligible for marketplace subsidies. I also want to point out that when we mention family coverage and family members, that means dependents. So non-dependent adult children do not factor into the equation. And if you're like me and wonder, well, how does Medicare factor in? Only premiums for marketplace coverage are considered, so there is still something called an ACA Medicare glitch to consider. With the current tax credits for 2022, a household doesn't have to spend more than 8.5% of their income to buy the benchmark plan, which is the second lowest cost silver plan. But when one spouse ages into Medicare, that household percentage threshold still applies. So the couple will still be paying that 8.5% of their income on the ACA premium, plus a Medicare plan premium each month. Just something to keep in mind, that there's still room for improvement in the future, But the new regulation does fix that family glitch in coverage for a lot of people. In April 2022, the Kaiser Family Foundation analyzed how many people fall into the ACA family glitch. They found that 5.1 million Americans find themselves ineligible for marketplace financial assistance because an individual can afford the cost of covering themselves but not their entire family. The new rule goes into effect for coverage year 2023, meaning that those who are evaluating and signing up for coverage beginning November 1st will be able to take advantage. And that is just what the administration is hoping for. President Biden said, quote, about 1 million Americans will either gain coverage or see their insurance become more affordable as a result of the new rule. It builds on our progress so far, which has brought the rate of uninsured Americans to a record low 8%, end quote. Number four, one of my favorite books I was assigned to read during my college days was Ways of Seeing by John Berger. It's an assigned text for many a liberal arts education. It's a book and also a TV series about how we view art. And it's a fascinating dive into the way we think. And I often found myself reading and rereading passages, thoughts swirling around in my head as I went. So when I saw this next article, I likely clicked in because the title gave me that same vibe. Six Ways You're Thinking Wrong, and What You Can Do About Them. After reading the article, it is very apparent that I'm drawn in by a negative premise, especially when it's figuratively applied to my own thinking. But it was a fascinating read, an excerpt from writer U Kyung-An's book, Thinking 101, and that book is now on my hold list in both regular format and audiobook format. But what I really enjoyed about the article was, like I said, that feeling of thoughts and ideas swirling around as I read. Instead of ways of seeing, it's like ways of thinking. And before we go on, I do have to mention that toxic positivity is a legitimate thing. We have talked about that before, and we've also talked about the power of thought when done correctly and not in a toxic way. I found myself reading, jotting quite a few notes as I went, and when I was finished with the article, I was very excited to see that there was more in the form of a book because it was a good blend of philosophical and practical advice that didn't feel like someone was talking down to me, so I promptly searched out the book and placed the aforementioned holds. Now, as we're entering the busy season, a lot of what keeps me going when there's a lot to do and not a lot of me to go around is definitely rooted in my attitude. And then there's also just pushing through and persevering, knowing that X amount of work needs to be completed and no one else is going to do it. So the first thing on the list is making sure that confirmation bias doesn't rule every decision that you're making. I feel like we water this down and we say, think outside the box. But it's a little bit more than thinking outside of the box. It's understanding that what you did inside the box to get you where you are now, those things aren't always going to work. When you look so narrowly at what has always worked or what has always been, You miss out on a lot of other opportunities to try something new. That method that you've got figured out, it can get stale. Think about when people say that you can't continue to do the same things and expect different results. Probably one of the most humbling things I've experienced is the fact that you can get to an end product by two very different means. And it doesn't mean that one way is right and the other way is wrong. They're just different. When you branch out and try something different, even if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that it's a failure. You've found a way that didn't work, yes, but you likely learned quite a few new things along the way. Next, remember how I mentioned responding to that negative inference and clicking on the article? Well... When I got to this one, I have to admit, I felt very seen. I will preface this by saying that I try to be a very positive person, and I mean try. It is an effort, and I don't always succeed at it. Why did I click on the title? Negativity bias. But there's a way of thinking that you can utilize here, too, and it's called reframing. What you do is you take the negative frame and flip it around into the positive, and you'll probably change how you feel about it. Or you might not. It honestly depends on what it is and how you feel about it. Two things can be true at the same time. On the days when there's a 30% chance of rain, doesn't that also mean there's a 70% chance of sun? There were six examples in the article. We will be linking to that article in the notes. Definitely recommend taking a look at that and keeping some of these strategies in mind as we're moving through AEP. I'm honestly quite excited to get my hands on a copy of either the ebook or the audiobook to listen or read more, and I will definitely be reporting back on Thinking 101. Number five. With AEP literally around the corner and the potential of more face-to-face meetings this year, that means eating on the run. And it's not always easy to find a healthy or well-balanced meal or even snack while you're out and about. One thing I do recommend, healthy car snacks that will not melt or crumble all over your clothing. Granola bars and protein bars have come a long way. And they can help pretty quickly if you're starting to get hangry. Now, my old go-to was always a McDonald's egg McMuffin minus the ham. But I know that a lot of McDonald's restaurants have stopped serving all-day breakfast. It is a sad travesty. Taco Bell has black bean tacos, something that I often make here at home, in addition to chickpea tacos. If it can taco, it has been tacoed in our house. And what's nice about these is that you still get the protein, but you don't get that bloated full feeling from overdoing it. If you have a Chick-fil-A near you, they do have grilled chicken nuggets for a quick pop of protein to keep you going. And then if I had to pick a favorite, if I really want to treat myself, I will get a protein box from Starbucks. They usually have a few different options to choose from. My personal favorite includes chicken, pitas, hummus, and snap peas, but those are a great mix of protein and slower-burning carbs, and then usually a fruit or veggie, depending on which box you choose. And that's just a sampling of four options that you can choose from. We will be linking to an article in our notes that highlights 10 others So you can mix and match and not always have to grab the same thing as you are out and about this AEP. Rupel Recommends. Just a quick mention here. I have finished two of the five podcasts that I said I would listen to in our International Podcast Day episode. One of those podcasts I felt like I had to highlight here before Halloween The Midnight Symphony. It is the perfect spooky listen for this time of year. It's a modern retelling of the Pied Piper fairy tale, and that was always terrifying, to be honest. But this podcast took an interesting spin on that and then threw in a few twists and turns. And you might be scratching your head a bit when it's over, but I find that I enjoy when a story is still able to do that. And that is all I have for you this week. As we kick off AEP this weekend, I hope you have a great one. Stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rapel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru Artwork by Vivian Zhao.